Pray with me. God, you are gracious and you are good, inestimably good. You are good and your deeds are good. And so everything good in our lives, everything we love and celebrate, every good and perfect gift comes down from you, Father of lights, who alone are good and perfect. And we ask, God, that you would help us to taste and see that you are good and that you would continue to perfect us, sanctify your church by the truth, which is your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good all the time. I wonder, what is the flavor of gratitude for you, Thanksgiving is a multi-sensory experience. We, um, we gather and go to Melanie's dad's house. We'll do it on Friday this year. And um, we're responsible for the meal each year. And so Melanie and I will collaborate. She will buy the groceries and um, she'll cook the turkey and the dressing and the sweet potatoes and the green beans and uh, she'll make the cranberry salad, and um, then I'll, I'll help her eat all of that. So it's kind of a team deal, and, and the best part of it, I mean, the flavor of Thanksgiving for us, and by the way, I'll, I'll clean the dishes too, especially when she hears me say all of that in the next service. But the best part of it is at the end, we eat what we call four-layer delight. I don't know how to describe it to you. I might get emotional, but I mean, it's... it's there's like this um, crust stuff, and then there's, um, there's cream cheese, and then there's chocolate pudding. Have you seen this? And then sort of whipped cream, and then, I'm not trying to make you hungry, but like pecans on top. And, um, and it's just, I mean, it's amazing. And, and I, I mean, it's just, it's fraught with memories. When we eat that together, we remember uh, her mom always made that, and uh, we love that, that time together. So I wonder, what is the taste of Thanksgiving for you, what is the flavor that evokes gratitude in your heart? In the early church, it was the taste of bread. It was drinking from a cup together and giving thanks for God's amazing goodness. So for the last 14 years, we've had Thanksgiving dinner together, usually on the Sunday night before Thanksgiving. Tonight is our musical, our children's musical program. So we thought we'd do it Saturday night and, and Sunday morning. So welcome to Thanksgiving dinner. Would you open your Bibles with me? Luke chapter 14. Jesus teaches us about eating together and whom we should invite. Luke 14 verses 12 through 17. And then I want to read chapter 15, just the next chapter over verses 1 and two. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word in honor of him. Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you'll be blessed. 
Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Thank you. You may be seated. Can you believe it? This is the crime of which they accused Jesus. He had the audacity to welcome the tax collectors and sinners. And if that were not enough, if welcoming them were not enough, he ate with them. And this was, in their minds, unspeakable. Never mind the fact that in chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus was invited to the house of a of a Pharisee, not just any Pharisee, but a prominent Pharisee. And Jesus accepted that invitation and went to eat with them and watched the people as they vied for the best table and the best position in the room. Everybody wanted to be at the head table. And Jesus reminds us in his parables, if you get to the head table and you're not supposed to be there, they might demote you. So be careful where you sit. But then he turned to his, his host This doesn't sound like something you would say to a person who had graciously invited you into their home, but Jesus knew the man's heart and he said, when you invite people, don't invite your friends, for instance. When you eat with people, don't invite your relatives, for instance, not your neighbors, not the prominent people, because here's what might happen. They might pay you back and you don't want to be paid back. Not yet, he said, but if you invite the people who cannot pay you back, then you will be most blessed, you will be most happy. And one man says, but how happy are those who eat the feast in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus tells a parable and tells about one who prepares a feast. But the people who are invited don't want to come. They have excuses. And and Jesus says, then they go and they gather the least likely people, the last, the lost, and the least, and bring them in. And they eat at the table. And then it says that the people flocked around Jesus, the tax collectors and the sinners. They, they couldn't get, literally the word is to draw near to. They couldn't get near enough to Jesus. And why? Listen to this. Because he fed them. It says they wanted to hear him. I mean, he fed them meals on many occasions, but, but what he did every time was feed them the word of life that, that, that fed their souls, and so they couldn't get enough of that. And this is all they had to mutter about about Jesus was he just kept welcoming sinners and eating with them, and he still does. And aren't we glad that he welcomes us to his table, that he invites us to eat with him, us of all people. Can you believe that Jesus would let us come to his table? 
You've been to impressive banquets, I know. Just last year I was with some of you and a former president of the United States was in this amazing banquet hall and we were all sitting there. It was a big HBU gala and it was an incredible event. Marvelous time together, really unforgettable. But can you remember the last time you ate with an unimpressive person? Somebody whom you in a million years couldn't imagine sitting across the table from. Jesus said, that's the person you want to eat with. That's the person you want to welcome. And if you'll receive it this morning, that's who we are coming to God's table. Not many impressive, not many powerful, not many wise, Paul said to the Corinthians, Because in view of God's great mercy, all of us are impoverished in our sin. All of us are lost and cannot find our way. We're blind and we can't see. We are lame and we are maimed and we cannot bring ourselves up to where we need to be. But God, in his rich mercy and grace, welcomes us to his table. Jesus welcomes sinners. Do we? Welcome sinners. Welcome is a big part of the gospel of Luke. We've been studying in chapter 9 alone. We saw a couple of occasions where Jesus brings a boy when they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest and says, if you welcome him, you welcome me. And if you welcome me, you welcome God. You want to welcome him, this little boy. You disciples who have seen Elijah and Moses on the mountain. This is greatness. To welcome a child in my name. And remember the Samaritan village last week who wouldn't, well, it's, the, it's, a, it's, it's a cognate of the same word. They wouldn't decomai, they wouldn't receive, they wouldn't welcome Jesus. And Jesus says, you welcome the least impressive people. And then he practiced what he preached, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. He welcomed tax collectors. It's true, I mean... Levi, whom we know as Matthew, threw a feast and Jesus ate at his home. And when Zacchaeus was up in the tree, Jesus invited himself to a tax collector's home. And it changed the tax collector's life forever. No wonder these people wanted to be around Jesus. He changed everything. He, he ate with sinners. When Peter first realized who Jesus was, when he caught that great, that great catch of fish, he, he said, get away from me because I'm a sinful man. But Jesus gathered these people around him. They wanted to hear him teach. And ultimately, he gathered us around him through the cross. He said in the Gospel of John, if I be lifted up, I'll draw everybody. I'll draw all people to myself, which I assume is why you and I are here this morning, because of the cross because he welcomes us with open arms. We used to sing when I was a boy, Christ receiveth sinful men, even me with all my sin, purged from every sin and stain. Sing it over and over again. Christ receiveth sinful men. Make the message clear and plain. Christ receiveth sinful men, even us with all our sin. So I wonder, whom do we receive? I read a book this week by Tim Chester called Eating with Jesus. 
And he tells about his church where they throw a, a banquet in their city for the Kurds. And the Kurds have come. And when they eat with them, then they will listen to them tell about Jesus. Another group, one of their home groups, regularly throws a meal every month for the Pakistanis in their town. And the Pakistanis wouldn't listen to their gospel any other way. But when they invite them to the table, then they sit down together. Can I tell you, Tallowood, we will not fulfill God's great commission as a, as a body, as a congregation. We will not fulfill our mission if we don't start opening up our homes and inviting people to our tables. Look, we don't, we don't do that anymore. I read the statistics this week. 61% of those surveyed said, we never invite anybody into our home anymore. But it wasn't always that way. 5% invite somebody once a week. 20-something percent invite people once a month. But 61%, rarely, if ever, at all. How How can we engage this community? How can we reach and welcome the tax collectors and sinners, the worst of the worst, if we never sit down with them. And I love street reach and I love feeding people and I love going down there and seeing the expressions on these people's faces as they get the only meal they're gonna get that day. But can I just say something to you? It's not enough to provide a meal because it's when we sit with them face to face, when we eat with them, that we share life with them. Jesus didn't just welcome sinners. He ate with them too. He sat at the table. He didn't just multiply fish and loaves, but he sat face to face with Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus said, all right, that's it. I'm gonna give back everything I've stolen. Why would he do that? Because Jesus engaged him face to face. One of my friends used to live in Galveston and then he moved to Bastrop and, and he was in Bastrop and then he moved here when his wife passed away. And he's become a part of our family. And when that fire went through Bastrop this summer, he couldn't wait to get over there to see what had happened. He brought me a picture. All that's left of the home that he lived in is just a pile of white rocks. That's all that's left. So he kept going back to Bastrop. And I would miss him for a couple of weeks and say, where have you been? I've been in Bastrop. What were you doing? He said, you know, we were feeding those people. We just made meals for them. And we just cooked for them. And he said, man, were they grateful when they would just sit there and eat and we would share with them. And I thought, this is still it. It's not metaphorical. This is real. If you and I will open our hearts to welcome people, if we'll open our homes to eat with people, we might have a chance to reach them and to care for their souls and to minister to their needs and this is exactly what Jesus did. He ate with them. And if you'll receive it, he eats with us this morning. But it's more than that. He's not just our host. He's the menu. It's his body and his blood. My first chairman of deacons when I was a teenager was Roy Hudson. He was 67 years old. And he and his wife, Florine, could put on a feast in their home just me and them, three different meats, 17 different vegetables I counted one time. Just for the three of us, we would eat. And, and he loved to tell me about it. And he would say, you know, out in the barnyard, the, the chicken and the pig got together. And the chicken said, you know, that farmer's a good man. Why don't we do something nice for him? Why don't we give him an eggs and bacon breakfast? And the pig said, yeah, you know, that's no big deal for you. That's just an offering. But for me... That's a total commitment. 
Yeah, that's what this is. This is Jesus' total commitment for us. This is his body. This is his blood shed for us. And follow this. Watch this closely. Jesus says, only invite the people who can never pay you back. And I just want you to know this morning, that's who we are when we come to this table. We're the people who can never pay him back. Though we did every good thing for the rest of our lives, we could never in any way in any way, recompense God for what he did for us on Calvary. So shouldn't we be grateful? Isn't that why the early church called this meal the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving? Because Jesus, when he was breaking bread that he knew was his own body, said, I give thanks that I get to give my body and my blood. And if he gave thanks... Shouldn't we give thanks? This is the flavor of thanksgiving. Welcome to the dinner. His body, his blood, our life. Receive it and receive him because he welcomes you and he eats with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the body and the blood that were broken and shed for us, poured out for us, Lord, so that we might pour out our gratitude to you. So, Lord, help us to receive gratefully these good gifts from your hand. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.